In the world of travel, things are constantly changing. There's always something to learn about the places we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations, a podcast designed for students of travel. What is going on? This is Stevie G, and you are listening to DBE, a podcast that is designed for students of travel. Make sure to visit the podcast website if you haven't yet. Just go to dbetravel.com and you'll find a podcast library, insightful travel blogs, a link to support the show through Patreon, and more. And quickly, before I start the show, I just want to say thank you for everyone that has hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. By hitting subscribe or follow, you are helping Destinations Beyond Expectations reach more students of travel. Okay, for this week's episode, I'm having a chat with Derek Pfeiffer, a teacher who was born here in the U.S., but currently lives abroad in the country of Spain and has also spent some time teaching in Thailand. I chat with Derek about his journey throughout the U.S., Thailand, and Spain, and we talk about the importance of travel and the impact it can have on people. Derek also shares his unique perspective on what it's like being one of the only people with dark skin in some small towns in both Spain and Thailand. Here's my interview with Derek Pfeiffer. Derek, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So you're currently living in Spain, um, and I, I like to ask because COVID, you know, has been it's affected travel throughout the world. Um, how are things in Spain when it comes to COVID? Are you doing okay? Is, is your community doing okay in Spain? Like, how is Spain handling COVID right now? Well, compared to how things are going back in the States, I'd say things are going swimmingly well. Um, but no, things are all right. At first, there was it was a bit alarming just because people weren't taking it seriously. Right. Everyone's walking around with the mask like tied around their elbows and around their necks. It's become the latest fashion accessory, essentially. But from what I've from everything I've read and from the news reports I'm hearing, the cases are going down. They implemented like a four phase system, I think. And I think we're just about out of it. Everything is just about back to normal. People about at back out at the pubs, they're at the bars and hanging out like nothing ever happened. So it's almost back to normal here. That's good to hear. That's positive. Um, are, when you say the pubs and the bars are opened, is that like at a full 100% capacity? Is that at like 50% capacity? What does that look like? I think they're allowed full capacity, but not everyone is ready to just go back out to it. I'm one of those people. Like, everything is open and available to me, but I still refuse to go back out. Like I don't go to the gym. I don't go out to eat at restaurants yet. I just don't feel comfortable. Not until they either have a it's either cured or the cases just drop to a, le- a level that's non-existent and you think that mindset that you have uh where you're you know not going to the gym not going to you know things that you like to go to you're probably only going to the essential things um is that a lot of the mindset of the spanish people right now oh definitely not it's the no. exact opposite they're ready to, like them, they're out it- yeah, for them, it's like, oh, finally, we can go back outside. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> just people screaming and in, in, in the streets like it's just a party. It's it's kind of it's kind of kind of weird when you think about it. 
how quickly they they were able to go from one extreme to the other. At first, it was, no, don't touch me. Stay away from me. Don't look in my direction. Now it's, oh, come here. Give me those bezels. Give me a kiss on each cheek. And I haven't seen you in forever. So. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So you're currently living in Spain, but obviously you're speaking very good English. You did not start your life in Spain. Um, you actually grew up in New York. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I'm originally from Jamaica, Queens. And I went to university at Hampton University down in Virginia, and I got my master's back in New York at Old Westbury. So I, I became a teacher, and I, and I eventually moved out to Florida and started teaching in Florida. But I oh, only, sorry, only sorry to interrupt. one year. Sorry to interrupt. What part of Florida? I'm actually from Orlando. Oh, I was in West Palm Beach. West Palm. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was just curious. Oh, no. All good. So I was out in West Palm Beach, and I was there for a year in a Title I school. For those who don't know, that's a low-income school. So they tend to have some of the worst-behaved students. Some of the they're the worst-funded schools in the district. They they have like the the most hurdles to overcome as as an educator. So I was there, and I got tired of you know dealing with the the political hurdles, the the mental in verbal gymnastics that you have to do every single day between dealing with the parents, the administrators and the students, hmm. it just became, it was, it was taking a toll on me. And I was down there with my fiance, who's also a teacher. And one day I had, I came home to her and I said, Hey, uh, what do you think about teaching overseas? And she was, she looked at me, she said, Derek, don't play with me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm serious. Just look into it. She's like, Derek, if you tell me to do this, and then you back out on it. Well, I'm not going to be happy. Like we're going to have a problem. I was like, yeah. I'm telling you, just look into it. And when I came home the next day, she had everything planned out. She said, okay, we're going to Thailand. This is when we're leaving. Just start packing up your stuff, putting your notice, this, that, and the other. Don't worry about it. And from then on, we packed our bags, and that August we headed out. So you did you know that you were going to Thailand? It sounds like your your fiance. She was like. Thailand was the first thing that came to her mind. Was that on your mind too? Or were you open to maybe looking at some different opportunities? I wanted to come to Spain, but for the wrong reason. Ever since I was a kid, I had this romanticized vision of what Spain would be like in my head. And I had no idea that I was mistaking Spain with Mexico. Mm. You know, so I, I was thinking mariachis, Dia de los Muertos, all these different things. I, and because I didn't really look into it well enough, I just went off of the same romanticized vision that I'd always had. I thought that that's what I was coming to. But she didn't want to go because she's Puerto Rican. So she's like, well, that's not going to be a new experience for me. I speak Spanish already. I'm going to be there like in my element and you're going to be a fish out of water. You're going to be having all the fun. So let's go somewhere different. And then I said, fine, you pick the first place. But the deal is we'll go to your place first and then we have to go to Spain. So she picked Thailand. Very interesting. Um, I want to bring up a, a quick point because I have a, a like an idea, uh, I guess a theory. You know, you, you said that you had this preconceived notion that you, you thought Spain was really Mexico. Um, I think that's one of the beauties of travel is that um, by actually physically traveling somewhere, you get to kind of figure things out on your own and let the, the destinations speak for themselves. And they kind of break down those preconceived notions that people might have. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. It, for definitely. That's exactly what happened to me. Very cool. So 
your first stop is Thailand. Uh, I guess what it, what was that like? What was that experience like? Thailand changed my life. the The way I like I like to explain it to people is it was like unplugging from the matrix. Because in America, you're programmed to work, 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 and then you die. Mm. You know, and, and that's pretty much what you're programmed to do. But in Thailand, all of the things that I used to care about, you know, from having the latest fashion to making sure that I had some kind of work to go. That's my New York. That's that New York mentality. You know, the city that never sleeps. I had if you weren't working on something, you were wasting time. And, and that was the mentality that I had. But out there in in Thailand, they have this saying, uh, my Rai, which is like their version of a Kuna Matata. Like everything's everything, like no worries. So at the lifestyle is really slowed down, especially in the area that I lived in, Chumpan. The, the lifestyle was really slow, right by the water. I was able to just relax. And after maybe six months out there, I was a completely different person. Like my, I, all my clothes that I bought with me thinking that I was going to need to wear these high fashion clothes, I didn't touch them the whole time I was out there. Instead of running around from, from pillar to post, always trying to find a way to be busy, I would just stroll around town, leisurely take leisurely walks all over the place. It just allowed me to change my values and the things that I felt were important to me. So it, it really helped me out. It took a lot of stress out of my life. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that in the world um, that a lot of the quote unquote, I guess, Western uh, nations and, you know, the Western uh, countries, do you think we live too fast? Do you think it's like we're eating on the go, you know, going to work, boom, boom, boom? Like, do you think we're just living too fast and not taking enough time to think about like the important things of uh, things of life? Oh, for sure. One of the ways that best that best um, that shows it's the best example of it. Sorry, one of the things that are the best examples of it for me. I have a friend who moved back home. She was out here in Spain with us for two years, and when she went back home, she said, "This is so weird. I have to schedule time to hang out with my friends." Like when I was overseas, it was always, "Hey, where are you? Hey, what are you doing? Let's go get a beer. Let's go hang out. Let's go take a walk." But when you get back to the States, it's, hey, uh, I can hang out at, from 5.30 to 7.30. You, are you free? Are you free at 6.30 on Wednesday? And you have to schedule in your fun. You have mm. to schedule in just quality time with your family and friends. But outside of the States, from the, from the many places that I've been, that's not a thing. You know, you work, you work to live. You don't live to work. And that's the difference. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, so you get to Thailand and, uh, you know, obviously you're an African-American person. Um, what was that experience like? Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah, it was so much fun. It was the exact opposite of what I expected, especially when I got to that tiny town that I was in. So, you know, I was the only black guy in town. So they had built a new gym in town. And Thais, at the time anyway, country music was really popular. So they like that slow-paced music, and it's very relaxing and calm. It goes with the vibe of the country. So me, I like to listen to up-tempo hip-hop when I'm working out. So I'll typically dance in between sets, bob my head around, and hop around a little bit to keep my blood going. Mm -hmm. So these guys noticed that 
I always had my headphones on, even though they had this big, powerful sound system in the gym. So what they started doing was, when I came in, they used me as like a, a guinea pig almost. So one day I came in and they threw on some Eminem the second I got in there. And I, when I took off my headphones and they saw me start bobbing my head a little bit, it's like, okay, okay. And they kept it going. And then they got to a song that I didn't like. So I was like, yeah, I put my headphones back on. And the guy starts writing something down. The next day I came in, he, he played the same exact songs. But when he got to the song that I took the headphones, I put my headphones back on for, he had a different hip hop song. And he kept doing that every single day till he figured out a playlist that would make me keep my headphones off because that was his gauge for how good the music was. Yeah, yeah, it's that's uh, interesting. Like, what would you? I guess what would you say about that situation? Like, how did that make you feel? Well, it made me feel good because even though I didn't want to be, I felt like somewhat of an ambassador for people with my pigment around the world. Yeah, because. Whether we want it or not, that's a, that's a burden that we bear. Where we wherever we go, you know, we represent the whole, right? So, the school that I was working at, before me, they had never hired a black person, but after I left, they hired two more the next year. You know, so I was setting a precedent. And before I came, they told me once they got to know me, they were like, "Well, we were really hesitant about hiring you." You know, for various reasons. One, because of how we're portrayed in movies back in the in the state in the states. Two, because well, it's a really small town. We weren't sure how people were going to treat you. You know, those were the two reasons that they had about having reservations. You know, in regards to hiring me. But after their experience with me, they were like, "Man, you're amazing, good." Are all of them like you? Let's get some more over here. Mm. You know, so they they bought in even more. You know, so. It made me feel good in that regard that I was able to set a good precedent and and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Um, were you? I guess before you got when you made the decision to go to Thailand to teach, were you like nervous or were you ready for the challenge? Like, I guess what was that? What was your mindset before you actually got to Thailand? Oh, I was so nervous because. For me, one of the things that that was it's stupid when I think about it now, but my dad, I remember him saying to me, he was like, man, you can't go over there. They got tigers and stuff roaming around over there. You might get eaten. And I'm sitting there like, that's crazy. You know, there are wild animals roaming around out there. You know, and it was one of the stupid little things that I that I was thinking about, you know, that that I was worried about. But mostly I was nervous about how I would be received because of my skin color. That's, that was the thing I was mostly nervous about. And, and like I told you, 95% of my experience was amazing. But there's some some bad experiences, of course. No place is Shangri-La, but, you know, for the most part, it was amazing. Right, right, definitely. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, for the traveler who wants to visit Thailand? Um, is it affordable? Is it um, is it a good destination for tourists? It's it's a it's a great destination for tourists and it's definitely affordable. Uh, I'll get just to give you some price points to, to help help people understand it a little bit better. So I bought a motorbike for the equivalent of two hundred dollars when I got there. I actually b- bought it. I didn't rent it. I bought it. So when you get there, they'll probably they'll rent you motorbikes and you might pay maybe twenty five or fifty dollars to to actually just rent it. I bought the thing outright for two hundred. 
Okay, so that just to give you an idea of how how good the pricing is. Mm-hmm. The hotels really cheap, and I always tell people what I recommend is reserve your first few nights ahead of time for when you get there, just so that you have some place to lay your head. But when you get there, the best deals are once you're there on the ground, because you always pay more over the internet when it comes to Thailand. That was my firsthand experience when we just wanted to travel within the country. The, the, the hotel price might be maybe 20 to 30 percent higher than it was when we just showed up in person. So, I mean, you're saying so, just literally just go to the hotel or whatever place it is and talk to the manager or whatever, whoever's there manning the front desk and just say, hey, I'm looking to stay a night. And you're and, and the price will be much better than if you buy it online. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, that was my experience, because the whole that whole economy for those people is it's built on competition. Mm. So they're cognizant that there's constant competition. So you can literally haggle anything, especially if you know how to say your numbers in Thai, then you're golden. You can, you can haggle just about anything. So I got used to haggling, you know, the longer I was there, you know, I I got used to talking prices down. So they're always willing to, to give you a discount or something. Very cool. Now, it sounds like, I mean, would you say your time in, in Thailand was a huge, I get maybe not turning point, but just a huge moment in your life? Like, uh, it was a positive experience. Would you say that? Oh, yeah. Beyond positive. There was a stronger word I'd use it if I could think of it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a positive experience. I didn't want to leave, to be honest with you. So let me but, ask, like, I guess what made you leave? Because obviously you live in Spain now, um, and that's where you went next, right? Spain? Right. Well, I, I left because I'm not a spring chicken, you know. I'm 37. <laughs> at, at the time, I was 34, right? Coming out of coming out of that year, I was 34. Now, the for the program that I wanted to apply to to teach in Spain, they said that the cutoff year was 35. Now, I didn't know that the cutoff age was actually 60 something, but it was just what I saw on the website. Another one of those things that you find out once you're on the ground someplace, mm-hmm. you know, that the actual thing, but. I wanted to, I didn't want to miss the cutoff for that program. If we would have stayed one more year, I would have aged out of that cutoff that they had advertised online and I would have never been able to apply or at least I wouldn't have applied because I saw that. So that was one reason. The second reason is as I told you I have a fiance and I'm looking for some place to set down roots because I don't want to go back to the United States. Mm-hmm. But the problem with Thailand is that at least at the time for, they don't grant residency to foreigners. So you're not allowed to own property. You're not allowed to buy anything. You can just rent. So you can buy motorbikes, cars, little things like that. But you can't buy property. You can't open. You can't own your own business. If you want to own one, you have to go into business with a local or marry a local. And even if you marry a local, you are still not granted residency or a citizenship. And if you start a business, it everything has to go in your wife's name. Hmm. If you have kids, your kids are citizens. But you're still a foreigner, and every month you have to go make the visa run across the border, stay for a few days, and then come back. Right. Yeah, that's a... Uh, so this wasn't worth it. Right. So so you guys wanted to move to Spain. You get to Spain, and um, I guess talk about your experience teaching in Spain. What's, what's it like? How is it different from Thailand? How does it maybe compare to the United States? Oh, the differences in all three places are so drastic. Yeah. Uh, in Thailand, those kids were golden. Like they, they wanted to learn so much. At the end of every class, they say, thank you for the knowledge, teacher. You know, and they would they bow to you and literally say, thank you for the knowledge every time. And 
those kids had me doing homework because they were so eager that they would go ahead all the time. And <clears throat> sorry, they would go ahead every time and finish maybe the next month or two's worth of work that I had already planned out. They would finish it that night. Mm-hmm. So I found myself having to work even harder and study just to stay ahead of the kids. You know, so they were more studious. Here in Spain, the kids, they're, they're really innocent. It, it's shocking. They have so much more freedom than the kids back home in the States. But they're so innocent compared to the students that I'm used to between New York and Florida. So the, the worst thing that the kids here do is they talk too much. They, they, I tell them all the time, they, they sound like a bunch of chickens clucking. Just, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> when they're all talking right. at the same time. It sounds like a bunch of chickens, but they're really respectful. And they love to just talk and have, have fun with you. The kids are really respectful. Back home in the States, what I noticed that the kids are they're more spoiled and disrespectful because they've been empowered by the system. The, the teacher has no power back in the United States. You, you know, you're basically trying to trying to sort this whole this whole thing out without any power. And the kids know that you don't have any authority. And it's it's really up to them if they're going to let you, how far they're going to let you go, depending on the school, obviously. But it's up to the kids in a lot of those, in a lot of those cases, how far they're going to let you go. And if they're having a bad day, then they're going to take it out on you and the rest of the classmates, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's something that I didn't encounter outside of the States. So that's the major difference. Right. So where, I guess, whereabouts in Spain are you living? And can you talk about, I guess, the area that you're living? Uh, what is that like? Okay. Well, I'm in, I'm at the outskirts of Madrid. I live in a town called Aranjuez and it's a, a medium sized town, medium sized town, but there's, there's not really much here. There's, there's the prince's garden, there's a palace and that's pretty much the extent of it. You know, very, very old fashioned town. And yeah, I'm, I'm ready to leave <laughs> to, to be honest with you coming from New York. This is a big, you know, it's a big step in the opposite direction. As, as far be as one it, thing, if, it's kind of rural. Hmm? Is that kind of what you're saying? It's just not your, what you're used to as far as like, I guess, cities or buildings. It's not even that it's rural. It's that there's nothing here to do. Mm. It, there's literally nothing to do. There's, there's not a movie theater. There's, there's not a, there's, there's nothing. It's crazy because when I lived in Thailand, the town that I lived in was even smaller than this, but I loved it because it was right by the beach. Like I don't necessarily need those, like the movie theaters and everything else. The closest movie theater for me when I was in Thailand was a four-hour train ride away, you know? Right. So that that's not really the main thing. It's just that there's nothing here to do. And the way that the city's designed is it's really enclosed. So I can't even go on a tour. Like I like to ride my bike. I, I basically ride the same circle all the time because there's, there's nowhere to go. So it's, it's, it's kind of boring. But the good thing is it's only a 40-minute bus ride out of central Madrid. So when I'm getting really antsy, like before this, the whole pandemic hit, I would just hop on a bus and go just bounce around central Madrid all day. So. Right. And, and if you don't mind me asking, I mean, you said your experience being, you know, the only black person in Thailand was... 95 percent positive um is it kind of the same dynamic are you one of the only people with dark skin in spain and and what's that kind of like i'm definitely not but for some reason it seems to be just as jarring to them to the people here 
as it was to the people in Thailand, where in Thailand I was literally the only one mm. here is you know spain is like a hop skip and a jump across the water from africa right you know and there are a ton of african immigrants here but when i go into certain parts of spain it's like i was telling you before it's it's like i walk into certain towns and it's like the record scratches and literally this happened to me one time i was i was walking into a tiny town called ocaña and i was walking with a group of friends and i was obviously the only black one in the group and this old couple, the, the husband was drinking his coffee and he stops halfway, stops the cup of coffee halfway up to his mouth and has his mouth just hanging open, just looking at me, following me as I walk around the plaza with his mouth hanging open and the coffee just sitting there, not drinking it. Wow. And there was a few tables where the people were just stopping and watching me. And at first it used to bother me, but... Then I just started waving at him. I would just wave at him or do something stupid, make a silly face, whatever. Mm. It just kind of break the tension. But yeah. Do you think? Do you think maybe that? I guess how people with dark skin are viewed maybe is a little different towards major like metropolitan areas in Spain. Like, I guess you know, it was a, I guess awkward experience for you because that guy was just like. Uh, weirdly looking at you do you think that kind of thing goes away when you get into the bigger cities or is that kind of all over oh it definitely goes away when you get into the bigger cities yeah not a not one thousand percent but it 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 goes away it's nothing like when you're in the the pueblos those are the rural towns there's nothing like when you're in one of those pueblos because the for a lot of those people they may not have ever seen a black person in their lives you know so i might actually be the first one you know so like there's a tiny town around here um, called Coral de Almaguer. They have a, a nice little festival every year. One of the teachers from my old school lit was from is from there, and she invited us out to the festival. And I went, and I was again I was the only black guy there. So as people saw me, you know they're like tapping friends and and oh my god look 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 look. The people are running up to take pictures with me and stuff like that. You know just want to have a picture with the black guy. So it was like. I was like an attraction, you know, so everyone could say they had a picture with the black guy in town, but it, it's not, it's not necessarily bad. I can't say that I've experienced anything just overtly racist or anything like that. Again, some negative experiences, but nothing, nothing like what I've experienced back in the U S. So, right. So you are living right now in Spain, but you said you're looking to actually move, uh, to a different a part of Spain. Is that right? Well, yeah, that's because the program that I'm in, they they have a cap on how long you can stay in one place. So for the people who don't know, Spain has a program called uh, Auxiliares de Conversación, a language assistant. So they have a program here where you can come over and you'll teach in a classroom. Um, they give you they give you money every month. If you're in Madrid, they give you a certain amount. Depending on where you go, they give you a certain amount. But now they put a cap on it. It used to be that you could stay for three years in one place. I just finished my third year. But now they, they took the cap down to two years in one place. So either way, I would have had to move. But So now I'm moving down to the south of Spain. So Are you looking forward I've to that? I've never been there. I've, I've, I guess I've heard things about the south of Spain being beautiful. Like, uh, Is that wine country? Do I have that right? Or like, what? I guess what have you heard about the south of Spain? 
Well, I don't know if it's wine country. I just know I've only been to a few places in the south, and I loved it when I was there. It's right by the water. Mm. You know, here where I am in Madrid, you know, is is basically landlocked. You know, the the river Tahoe, Tahoe that runs through my town, but all that brings is a bunch of flies and and, and pests. So it's not and it's dirty. So it's not really something I, I could enjoy. But down there, I'm the town I'm moving to is going to be. It's literally on the beach. So, so it's going to be more in my element like I was in in Thailand where I have the beach like right there. So I, I'm really excited about it. I can't wait. Do you think if you have a positive experience uh, in the south of Spain, do you think maybe that's something that like are you going to settle down in Spain or do you think you have more stops on the map to go before, you know, you you say that this is where I want to live? Well, that's tough because. From my experience so far, I like Spain, but I don't love it, you know? So, and on top of that, they don't make it really easy for foreigners to settle here. So they have the whole chicken and egg thing. Well, to get to stay here, you have to get the, you have to get a residency permit. But to get the residency permit, you have to get a job. To get a job, you have to get a, a work con- a work permit. To get a work permit, you need a work contract. But to get a work contract, you need the residency permit. You know, so they have that whole chicken and egg argument going, you know, that a lot of places do, where you basically have to get lucky and make a connection to someone who's willing to take a chance on you and pay the extra money that they've got to pay just for hiring you. Right. And I mean, from my experience, what a lot of people do is they just volunteer to pay that money for the employer. You know, if they make someone make a good friend out here, they'll pay the money for them and then just that person will hook them up. But yeah, I don't know. You know, Spain doesn't make it easy. So I don't know what will happen there. Right, right. So I guess we've kind of talked about your journey from starting the United States, going to Thailand and then uh, getting to Spain. So um, I guess I have a few follow up questions about, I guess, your whole journey or your thoughts on travel. And I'll start with this one. Um on this podcast, Destinations Beyond Expectations, we all think of ourselves as students of travel, people who really, uh, you know, have learned a ton from travel and like to travel because it is so enlightening. Um, would you consider yourself a student of travel? And if so, would can you talk maybe talk about some of the things that you've learned through travel? I do consider myself a student of travel. And the biggest lesson that I could say that I've learned is to abandon expectations expectations are the enemy the 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 places where i've had the worst time during my time abroad are the places where i went in thinking oh yeah this is going to happen that's going to be there and i went in expecting all of these things but the problem with expectations is that nothing ever lives up to the expectation but expectations are perfect and no place is perfect so that would be the biggest lesson that i learned was to abandon expectations that's so interesting because um, I actually had another guest a few episodes ago, and he said essentially the same thing. And, and ironically enough, he, he actually also was a teacher uh, teaching in South Korea. And he was saying the same thing, like, yeah, just let kind of let the place speak for itself. Don't go in there with a preconceived idea of what it is. Like, don't do too much research. Kind of let the place talk for itself. And I don't know if you can believe it or not, but one of the best... Um, adventures that I ever went on, uh, was actually to, of all places, Iowa. Now, like, (laughs) right. You wouldn't think that growing up in in the United States, like what Iowa. And I think it's because I really didn't have any expectations for it. I never really thought of Iowa. You know, it wasn't, I knew it was a state. Uh, I knew the capital was like Des Moines 
and that was that was like about it. I didn't really know anything about Iowa, and I went up there and I actually had a blast because I I didn't have any expectations, and so I I totally totally agree with what you're saying. Like, um, kind of get the expectations out of there. Don't don't pay too much attention to it because it could really hinder. Uh, your experience if you're going in there with a preconceived notion of what that place might be oh for sure for sure and one of the other things that i learned was to it's, it's something that i still struggle with but was to just say yes more mm. you know for me i tell my fiance she knows my favorite word is no <laughs> people ask me to, to do something it's, it's almost automatic it just rolls off my tongue it's so sweet it just no 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 i don't even know what they're asking me sometimes it just uh, it's a reflex. I just say no. So one of the things that I've had to embrace was just saying yes more. And when when I started saying yes more, I found myself in in a lot more fun situations that I would have never experienced had I just stuck to my guns of saying no all the time. So definitely just say yes more. Yeah, I like that. Within one. reason, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I also want to ask uh, language. You've you grew up in the United States, but you've been to a few different countries, uh, different languages. Um, are you fluent, I guess, in the, the different languages or how far does English go? Or I guess, can you talk about maybe some of the lessons you've learned about language? Well, as far as language goes, I like that I'm a fish out of water here and I had to learn their language. One of the things that really bothers me is when Americans or whoever goes to another country and they're like, man, why don't you speak English? Like, mm. do you speak English? I'm like, no, you're in their country. Learn their language. You know? So yeah, right now, I'm conversational in Spanish. I, I wouldn't consider myself fluent. And I'll, I'll probably never consider myself fluent until I can speak at the same level that I can speak in English. I mean, that's just a me thing. But I, I'd say I'm conversational. Um, as far as Thai, that during the time that I was there, I got to a pretty solid level. I was able to hold some basic conversations, use a little bit of Google Translate, and, and carry out a conversation there. I, I was able to navigate anywhere I wanted on my own without any help. So I do. I actually enjoy language barriers because it's an, it's another learning opportunity, and I find them fun. Yeah, and I really love what you said. I mean, like, I guess the equivalent is like you wouldn't go over to your friend's house and just like act the way you normally act at your house. You're a guest, you know, especially for people that are just simply visiting, not even you're a little different because you're actually living there. But people who are actually vacationing somewhere, um, I firmly believe like you should not expect your own language to be normal. Like you should want to try and you should want to, you know, be, I guess, partake in their language and their culture because you are a guest you know what i mean would you agree with that yeah i'll take it even one further when i go somewhere i don't stay at the the, the spots that are highest rated with the with the tourists mm -hmm. i like to experience things the way a local would experience so i like to get there on the ground and you know then i'll find i'll find some place when i get there that's pretty much the way we travel now. Whenever we go somewhere, we get into the area, and then maybe we'll get a few recommendations. But we don't go to the, okay, let's go stay at the Holiday Inn or whatever the big chain hotel is. Mm -hmm. No, we, we don't do that. You know, we find some, a local spot, you know, and we, we hang out there. And what you'll notice when you take that approach is 
those those local spots they're run by a little mom and they're like little mom and pop stores so you'll get a lot of great recommendations from those people because usually they're from the place that you're staying in and they'll tell you about the fun little hole in the wall spots that the big chain hotel can't tell you about because they're they're an outsider who just had enough money to buy a property there right it really enhances your experience it's personal like they they want to make a personal connection with you yeah so I know you spoke about you don't have any plans of going back to the United States, um, but I, I do want to ask, like, you're from Queens. Is Queens still with you everywhere you go, or have you kind of, I guess, shed that? Or I guess, is it with you, or how do you view that? Oh, Queens is always in my heart. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's, there's no, you can't take the Queens out of me, but... <laughs> As far as living there, no, I could never live back there. Even if I was in the States, I would not want to live back there. It's when I was when I was growing up, I always had this rule that I I gave to myself, even from when I was a little kid. I said that I cannot grow old and die in the place that I grew up. I said, if I got old in the same place that I grew up, I would feel like I I wasted my life. That was my own personal deal and rule for myself. So just because of that, I can't break that that covenant essentially that I have with myself that keeps me from going back there. Mm. When you combine that with all of these experiences that have experiences that have fundamentally changed who I am as a person and what I value, it makes it even harder to go back into that concrete jungle that is New York, you know? So, yeah. Right. Have you gotten a chance to go back and visit? Like, do you still have family and friends there? Yeah, all my family's still there, you know, so I go back, usually I go back once a year, maybe twice, depending if there's a spe- something special popping up, but this year it's probably not going to happen because of everything that's, that's taking place. But. Right. Now, before I wrap up my conversation with Derek, he wanted to speak a little bit about people who don't think that they have the finances to travel. I think a lot of times people throw out the idea of traveling because they don't think they can afford it. But listen to what Derek has to say. He talks about some great programs that can help you earn as you see the world. You don't need to be financially set or well off to travel. Some of, a lot of the people, I can't even say some, a lot of the people that I've met on my travels were just college, college age kids backpacking through a country or something like that. And they were traveling on like a shoestring budget. Okay, so you have a lot of options if you want to travel. There's different programs where you can go and volunteer to teach English for for a year or even for six months, depending on where you what country it is. Some some countries have a six month contract. You can ask for a six month contract or you can ask for a one year contract, whatever, you know, whatever's good to you. They have programs like couch surfing or work away where you you sign up, you stay on someone's couch, you do a little job for them. And they give you free lodging and free food for the night. They have different programs like house sitting or pet sitting. There's people who travel all around the world and they do it by watching other people's pets or just watching other people's houses while they're away. There's there's a, a ton of ways to travel. So if you're really dying to go, go somewhere, nothing's going to stop you. It's just a matter of are you going to get those obstacles out of the way? This is a way for everyone to travel. So So for that person that thinks like, oh, you know, I I just don't have the finances. I just I'm not going to even think about travel. I guess what you would say to them is, hey, before you put that to the side, 
actually do your research, get on there and see what kind of programs are out there. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. And, and then be honest with yourself. Realize what kind of personality do you have? If, if you're not the backpacker type, then don't go into that overly romanticized lifestyle of I'm going to backpack across Europe. And if you know that you don't want to do that, like me, I don't want to backpack across <laughs> Europe or anything like that. I like to have a home base somewhere and then I can go launch out whenever I want to go somewhere. Whenever I get the notion, I can hit different locations. You know, I, I don't want to do that. My whole life is in my backpack thing. I'm too old for that anyway. So you have to be honest with yourself. And once you figure out what type of traveler you are, then you see what type of traveling programs apply to you. You know, so if you're like me and you like a little bit more stability with some flexibility, then maybe you go for teaching abroad. You know, you t- take the teaching abroad route or the the house sitting route or the, the, the pet sitting route. Mm-hmm. You know, or even the workaway route. A lot of people do that for the summer. That's a really popular thing. You f- just take your summer and you go work in a foreign country somewhere, do a little job, and in your off time, you have time to to travel around and everything else. Even collect a little paycheck while you're doing it. Right. Yeah. And I guess this this leads, I guess, to our last question. I, I thought up one more question here. Um, you know, classrooms are, are wonderful places uh, for students, but I, I have a theory that sometimes the best classroom can be a place you've never been, a mountain, uh, you know, like just somewhere foreign, being in a new country, being in a national park. Uh, would you agree that those places make just, I mean, unbelievable classrooms in themselves? Well, uh, yeah, I do agree because when you think about most learning in life, where does most of the learning take place? Most of the learning is in the mistakes, the learnings and the errors, the learnings and the things that you don't know. So when you travel to these new places, these are things that you don't know. So that presents an opportunity to learn something if you're open to it. The things that changed me the most as a person were the things that I had never experienced before once I left the country. Things as simple as um, like the value of of uh, eye contact or the value of of maintain, of holding your emotions, you know, controlling your emotions, all these different things, you know, that how different cultures look at these, view those things differently. I learned a lot from those because the American way of life, the way I grew up didn't apply, didn't work everywhere. So I got to learn a lot about other people's culture from traveling and seeing things I didn't know. Yeah, it certainly opens you up to new experiences and uh, gives you insight on how other people live because I guess the way you grow up isn't the way that everyone else does it. So it's good to see how other people do it and, and kind of get that respect from other people. Um, Derek, I want to ask, so, I mean, you're not just a traveler and teacher. You also have your own podcast. Can you talk a little bit about that? All right, right. So my podcast is called Jaded 80s Baby. So it's the Jaded 80s Baby podcast. So every week I interview someone different from different different walks of life. Right now I'm on an entrepreneurial kick. So if you if you tuned into my my last few episodes, you'll notice that I'm talking to a lot of entrepreneurs and I base my guest list on the phase of life that I'm in right now. So right now I'm in a phase where I'm really trying to find a way to start my own business overseas and a way to enhance my situation and my station in life financially. So I'm talking to a lot of stock market gurus. 
a lot of entrepreneurs, people starting their own businesses, be they domestic or overseas. So you'll get a lot, a lot of interviews like that with, with people dropping interesting information every single week. And I think it was in your trailer you mentioned like uh, you don't like to put people in boxes. You like to like you like to break down boxes wherever you can. So you, you get a, a good mix of guests. Um, and I think I thought that was really cool about your description because, you know, I guess you you said you're on an entrepreneurial kick, but it's not limited to one kind of entrepreneur or even maybe entrepreneurs as a whole. Right. You're kind of uh, interviewing different people. Right. I'm interviewing all kinds of people. Like yesterday, I just interviewed uh, a public speaking expert. So he teaches people how to present themselves better. And that's a skill that's that's vital to you if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, because you need to be able to present your ideas and yourself effectively. And we were talking about, for example, the value of content versus delivery and which one's more important. And he had a really succinct way of just telling me that, yeah, delivery is more important than content. Because if you think about your your favorite teachers back in school, for example, do you remember everything they taught you? Or do you remember the ones who had a really great way of telling you the story? Do you remember the way they told you stories? Or do you, do you remember the story that they told you? You know, so little things like that. I like to get little gems and jewels like that out of these interviews, which is why I vary my content so much. Very cool. And if someone wants to go actually listen to the Jaded 80s Baby podcast, where can they actually, where can they find that? Well, you can catch the podcast everywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. You can find me on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can just go to my website, jaded80sbaby.com. There's a big picture there, has the logo of the podcast. You click on it, it'll take you right to the podcast. But So you can catch it everywhere. And do you have any social medias? Do you have any, like a Facebook, Instagram? Yes. So Facebook and Instagram, you can find me at Jaded80sBaby. Okay. The number eight zero S. Okay. So Jaded80sBaby across all social media platforms. Cool. Awesome. Well, Derek, thank you so much for spending some time and talking about your, uh, your travel and, and what you do. I really appreciate it uh, coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Destinations Beyond Expectations. I hope DBE has been a good listen for all the travel enthusiasts out there. A big thank you to Derek. I really like his podcast. It's called the Jaded 80s Baby Podcast, and you can find it on all audio platforms. And go check out his website at jaded80sbaby.com. If you're a fan of Destinations Beyond Expectations, there are so many ways you can support the show. I'll use this week's episode to talk about Facebook. Go like the DBE Facebook page if you haven't yet. And go invite a friend to like the page as well. That is all I've got for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening, and I will talk to you soon. Destinations Beyond Expectations is brought to you by Kaleidoscope Adventures. If you need help planning your next student group trip, Kaleidoscope Adventures is the name you need to know. Visit them at www.mykatrip.com or give them a call at 800-774-7337 when you're ready to plan your next school trip. Again, that's www.mykatrip.com or call them at 800-774-7337.